Father, we come to give you glory and honor on this day, and we celebrate the riches of your provision and grace to us. Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us back home. Thank you for your presence here through your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would do a mighty work in our midst this morning. We ask that you would come and and bring, I pray, a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit upon us. Because it is through your Holy Spirit that we come to know you, glorify you, and have our lives transformed more into your likeness. And so we make our prayer, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Do what you long to do in our midst, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, welcome home. It's good to be back. Eight, eight months, we saw God's faithful hand every step of the way, and God to the, be the glory and all honor. We are grateful to be back here. There's still more that's going to be happening, but we got it to a place, or the team got it to a place that we could actually come in and, and have worship services now. So, so, so grateful. You know, it was back on February 19th of this year that I got the call. The alarm was going off, the fire alarm in the building. I didn't really know what to expect, but I got here and literally I saw water, and you'll see the connection to the passage, water coming from beneath the sanctuary doors into the narthex, and I just shuddered to think what what I would see when I opened those doors. And I opened the doors, and there was a waterfall flowing from the ceiling right back in that corner, just pouring into this room. And you walked and sloshed onto the floor in the sanctuary. And then my eyes were opened even more as the reality became more daunting when I walked downstairs and saw two other waterfalls flowing in different rooms, thinking, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And that moment, and back in February, we thought we were coming out of COVID and more people were starting to come back to church. And now we were faced with no place to worship. It had already been a very difficult year. And now we were faced with something even more difficult. God, what are you doing? What's going to happen? And honestly, in that moment of despair, and I did have it, I was reminded of the gospel. And oh, how good the gospel is. That God takes an absolute mess, and he brings beauty, and he restores. And that is what he has done in this building. But that is just a picture of what he longs to continue to do in each of our lives every day. As I walked around and thought about what do we do, the Lord brought me that day to this passage in Ezekiel chapter 47. And I began to pray then, God, what are you doing? What's going on? As I read that passage, I realized that God was doing something far greater at St. Andrews than I ever realized. Because thinking about the water that was coming out of these doors, while those were destructive waters... Back in this passage in Ezekiel 47, the waters that came from the sanctuary were waters of healing life. They were waters of renewal, of refreshment. They were waters of new life. And I thought in that moment, as as I've been thinking about these last eight months, that what God is doing among us is that we would be a people who drink deeply from the waters of God's life-giving grace, but that it doesn't just stay here with us in this room but like the waters that go out of the sanctuary, we would be a people who take the life-giving waters of the Lord Jesus Christ into a world longing to be filled. 
because we have what really will fill and satisfy. This morning, what I want to do as we look at these waters, these life-giving waters, I want to first take a moment and look at the source and the life-giving nature of the water. And then I want to look at what is our call as people who received this life-giving water. What is our call? What is our responsibility now as we go forward? So first, let's take a look at the source and life-giving nature of this water that we read in the passage actually becomes a wild river. In Ezekiel 47, verse 1, we read, Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and he And behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. And the water was flowing down below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Now, what you have happening here is a messenger from God had come to the prophet Ezekiel. And in this vision, in this picture, he had taken Ezekiel to the temple. And while they were walking around the temple, they noticed water beginning, it started at the beginning, to trickle out. And then as we read on, it became this mighty river. You see, in the Old Testament, the presence of God was found where? In the temple. We see that in numerous passages in the Old Testament, the glory of God filled the temple. And what we find is the source of this life-giving water is God himself. Now, that's going to be crucial. We're going to see in just a moment. But you fast forward from this prophetic word in Ezekiel 47 all the way to the very end of the Scriptures in Revelation chapter 22, and we see this fulfillment. Listen what Jesus showed John. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the city street, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. You see, in that passage, we have even greater clarity of the source of this life-giving river. It comes from the very throne of God where Jesus sits as King and Lord. Friends, the water that flows is from God himself. Now, notice this. That water didn't flow from an earthly kingdom, did it? It didn't flow from an earthly throne, did it? And what what we need to see in this is, friends, there is no earthly king, no earthly leader, no president, no one in authority that we can go to or hold on to to find life in. Life comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to begin to see that because once we see that, then we begin to understand more clearly what is the message that God has called us to be about. I was reminded of Psalm 146 in verse 3, where the author wrote this, Put not your trust in princes and a son of man in whom there is no salvation. But so often aren't we led in many ways to try to find and seek people who will be that for us. What I want you to hear this morning is the water of life comes from the throne of God himself. If you want to find life, It comes from drinking deeply of these life-giving waters. So let's look more clearly at the nature of this water. Look at verses 8 and 9. The messenger said to Ezekiel, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. 
For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh, so that everything will live where the river goes. Isn't that glorious? Everything will live where the river goes. Now, it doesn't show us in, in, in our translation here, but the sea that this fresh water goes into that it says was dead, it's a reference to the Dead Sea. Nothing can live in the Dead Sea because of the salt content there. But when the waters of the throne of God flow in there, guess what happens? It lives. Friends, that's a picture for you and me of the life-giving nature of the waters of God. He takes that which is dead and he brings life, real life, abundant life. One of the interesting things that we see about this river that flows from the temple is this. It defies the natural way things work. Think about it. Rivers don't flow in a desert. Trees don't grow in a desert. Trees don't produce fruit all year long. They typically do for just a season. And and fresh water flowing into the Dead Sea, you would think would become corrupt because of the Dead Sea water, right? But it doesn't. You see, the ways of God defy the natural way things work. And that's one of the things I want us to see When the supernatural work of the Lord comes in our midst, it defies the way things normally work. Here's one of the most clear ways. (laughs) We're sinners. We're sinners in need of God's grace, but we don't deserve it. But God in his supernatural way, defying the way that things work because our due punishment from the Lord because of sin is death. But what we find from the life-giving waters coming from his throne of grace is that instead of death, we come alive because of the throne of grace, what Jesus did for us on the cross. You see, as one commentator put it, and I love this language, he said, the gospel grace of God makes dead sinners alive and living saints lively. Listen, if you've been redeemed by the blood of Christ, we ought to be the most lively people around, celebrating the riches of his grace with life, Because we are people who have drunk deeply from the life-giving waters of God's grace. You see, that's what we find as we look at this. Where the water flows, friends, there is life. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you ever feel like your life is a desert, dry and empty? Do you ever feel like your life is like the Dead Sea, lifeless? No doubt some in here this morning feel that way. You felt that way when you came in this morning. So here's my follow-up question. What are you running to to bring your thirst, to satisfy your thirst? What have you been running to? What are those things that you tend to run to to satisfy your deepest longings, to, to fill those dry, barren places of your life? Who have you been running to to fill those places. Friends, what we find in this passage, this life-giving water, what it does when we drink of it, when we swim in it, when we immerse ourselves in it, we find that God rejuvenates us. He refreshes us. He restores us, and he revives us. And when I'm talking about swimming in these life-giving waters, it's, it's giving ourselves to the richness of his word, because it's through his word that we come to see who he is the one who is the author of life. 
Many of you will be familiar with the scene in in John chapter 4. It's it's that scene where Jesus is by this well in Samaria. And and it's noon, and he's coming to get some water from the well. And this woman walks up to him to draw water herself. And they have this exchange, and, and here's what Jesus says to her. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up for eternal life. When we drink deeply of the riches of what Jesus came to do, friends, we find ourselves coming alive. And that life-giving water wells up in us. I believe so much that it pours out of us. You know, it's interesting in this picture when the water was coming out of the temple and it became ankle deep, then knee deep, and then waist deep, there was no dam around the temple, was there? There was no dam to say, we're going to just hold the waters in here and let it be a pool for us here. No, the waters went out into the world where there was dryness and where there was no life. And it's a picture for you and me that our calling is to drink deeply of this grace and then take it out into the world that the world would come to drink deeply of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That takes us to the second point. This is exactly what we find our calling to be. When we know what this water is, when we drink deeply of this water, we begin to see that that we have been called to something far greater, friends, than I think many of us in this room realize day after day. Go back to the picture. The water first flowed from the temple, right? Now... Where's the temple? Or better yet, who is the new temple? Followers of Jesus are the new temple of God. I love Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? I want you to see the connection here. We are the new temple of the Lord. And so what we find is those life-giving waters flow through us into this world. We become God's agents, taking this water to a world hungry and thirsty, a world that is barren and dry and in so many places dead. What I want you to see this morning, friends, is you've got a part to play. You and I have a part to play. It's not to sit back and just sit on the sideline watching the game. We have got to get into the game. And I believe that's exactly what God was showing me on February 19th when I saw the waters coming out of this sanctuary. So quickly the Lord said, Robert, there's something greater here. And you all are called to be a people that take waters for us here that destroyed. But we know the life-giving water that we're to take out of these doors into our neighborhoods, into our places of work, into our families, Wherever we go, friends, we are the temple of the living God, and we bring his restorative waters of grace to a community who is thirsty. Do you see that? I hope that you can begin to get excited in these days ahead, being renewed in a calling of what it looks like for you. If you're a follower of Christ, you are a new temple of the Lord, and you have a new mission and a new calling to take water that truly does satisfy. I read a great article this past week written by Kathy Keller. It's Tim Keller's wife. 
And the name of the title of the article is The Great Commission Must Be Our Guide in These Polarizing Times. I want to read an excerpt from that article because this is where we get some application going here. What does it look like for us to be a people who are a new temple of the Lord to take God's water to the world? Listen to what she wrote. It's absolutely certain that the current state of the church in the U.S. is inadequate for forming disciples who are distinctively Christian in their thinking and behavior. We have much to do to strengthen our communities and our worship so that they can engage the world in which God has placed them. But tellingly, very few of the most passionate promoters of any point of view have an evangelistic strategy for this new social world. So the question, she writes, becomes this. Does the church want to be effective in changing hearts and making disciples as Jesus commanded? Or are we going to be content with preaching only to the already converted? The gospel has the power to change hearts. And then she quotes from Romans 10, verse 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And then she goes on to make a reference to the, new, to the first century church. And she says this. What was, the, what was the evangelistic strategy for believers who existed in an even more hostile and marginalized culture than we do? Do you know what the answer was? It's very simple. It's this. It was to spread the gospel message in any and every opportunity that Jesus was the crucified and risen Lord come to bring new life. In these polarizing and divisive days, friends, in which we live, what I believe we need to do is refocus our attention, refocus our hearts on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and on the Great Commission. We have a message that saves lives. And there are people all around walking in darkness. We have a water from the source of God himself to bring that will truly satisfy what so many are longing for but they don't know. What I believe we need to be about in these days, friends, is we need to be about living out of the Great Commission. Disciples who are making disciples You see, as followers of Jesus who are to proclaim the good news in Christ, that's our calling, isn't it? But do you know what I see? I see many Christians today muddying up the waters where the greater message of their lives, the greater passion revolves around what's going on in politics today. What I read on social media, what I hear from many, and I would say well-meaning Christians, is that certain political ideologies are more important more relevant, more necessary than anything else we need to be focusing on today. Now, I want you to hear me as I say this. I'm not saying we ought to be apolitical. I'm not saying that we don't need to be concerned about what's going on in our country. We absolutely should be concerned about what's going on in our country, and we should have a voice. And I know some in this congregation have been given a a specific voice in the political realm to speak truth, and that is good. But friends, hear me say this, our voice, our attitude, our behavior, the manner in which we live must be shaped around the gospel. The gospel of Christ, friends, has got to come first and foremost before anything else that we do, that our greatest passion would be fulfilling the great commission 
Disciples making disciples, bringing the life-giving waters of Jesus to a world who is thirsty. I think many of us today have fallen into the trap that the first disciples fell into before Jesus was ascended. They wanted to know, so this is right before he was ascended into heaven, and, and they, were, they wanted to know what was going to happen to the earthly kingdom that they were living in. You see, they were more concerned about an earthbound kingdom than a heavenly kingdom. And I think there are many today who have become more concerned about an earthbound kingdom than a heavenly kingdom. The heavenly kingdom has got to come first, and then we see the other fit in its proper place. But listen to what Jesus said. They gathered around him. This is in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, at this time are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You want to know what our message is? Jesus said, they want to go, what's going to happen here? And he says, no, wait a minute. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be ones to take this life-giving water to a world, and you're going to begin to see, as you do, that changes a society. That changes a culture. Because it's only through Christ that you and I find life. Friends, I'll say it, and I'm going to bring in just some quick application here. That's the message that I believe we're called to be about as followers of Christ. It's the message I believe must be front and center when we conduct our business, when we engage in our politics, when we care for our families and live in our friendships. This is the calling I believe we need to be about. So briefly, as I wrap this up, What does it look like for us at St. Andrews right here, right now, to be leaning more fully into fulfilling the Great Commission? Can I tell you what that looks like? There's two things. You received in your bulletin this, this handout. There are two things in particular, two offerings that we have this fall that are kicking off in October that I believe we can lean into as a community here to help us grow more fully in what it looks like to be disciples making disciples. And I'm just going to list the first two and just name them. Dustin can speak a bit more to them during the announcement. But the first thing is at the top, faith reframed, essentials for following Jesus together. It's a six-week class that Dustin is going to lead us through. Um, It's a class where we we take the, the story of Scripture and dive into it and see how that story informs our story. And then how we begin to live as disciples making disciples. We're going to do this in the context of small group and community with one another. We're going to dive into the scriptures and see, Jesus, what does it look like to truly follow you in a world that is really challenging today? Where you become front and center of our lives. Where they're revolved around the gospel of God's truth. That's the first thing. The second one on there is called Novo. It's something that Kimberly and I were a part of last year, and it's a spiritual authority cohort, if you will, where we as followers of Christ come to understand the authority that is ours as sons and daughters of God and what it looks like for us to live out of that authority in our homes, in our businesses, in the community, that we bring the authority of Christ 
that as we do, we begin to pray differently for what's going on. We begin to see God move in mighty ways. There's more explanation on there, but those are two intentional offerings that we have for us to lean into more fully what it looks like to be disciples making disciples. That last one is just once a month for seven months. I'd love to hear, share more with you. Uh, you can call me and we can have conversations about that. But friends, what I believe God is calling us to is that we would be men and women who daily drink deeply of God's life-giving waters. And as we are filled, we go out. And you have something to offer. We want to help equip you in that. So join us in that and be praying about what God might have ahead for you. Amen? Let me pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the riches of your kindness to us. Thank you for how the gospel reshapes our lives. Thank you that you have come not to condemn us, but to bring us what we longed for and we didn't even know, waters that truly satisfy. Oh, Lord Jesus, come. Thank you for your presence among us. We pray you continue to be glorified as we worship you now. In Christ's name, amen.